Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dimes, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome to the show, and hang on. The world, you may have noticed, is spinning a little faster these days following what may be the pivotal moment in deciding our republic's future. The Marxist Dems' official secret police, the FBI, raided the Mar-a-Lago offices of President Trump, and it's the raid heard round the world. We're no longer just the United States. We're the divided states now. This is, without a doubt, a war that is in the open. Good versus evil, the Constitution versus lawlessness, the Biden White House, the Marxist Dems, and the deep state against America's citizens, Republicans, and patriots who stand against this corrupt government, and God help us all. The FBI used a Florida magistrate judge, one who doesn't have authority over felony cases, to sign a search warrant that allowed the FBI to confiscate boxes of Trump's papers and documents, a mad abuse of power by both the FBI and the tool of a magistrate. By the way, that magistrate worked previously for Jeffrey Epstein. He was selected by a committee of judges to be a magistrate in southern Florida, not appointed by a president. This is, on every level, obviously ugly. And if you love this country, get ready for what will be a wide-ranging, long-lasting fight for the country. And let's fight as fiercely as the Marxist Dems, who obviously mean to destroy America, and you, and me. What brought all of this on? We don't know for sure, but it could be the latest revelation that the Justice Department and the FBI refused to honor President Trump's release of all of the documents related to the so-called Russia hoax on the last day of his presidency, January 19, 2021. Those documents declassified by President Trump, including the FBI surveillance of Trump and their effort to frame him. Where are those documents, you ask, if he declassified them and ordered them released? Well, the FBI and the Department of Justice made certain that they were never released, and obviously Biden's Justice Department hasn't said a word, nor produced a single document. But Judicial Watch is seeking those documents and more, also seeking documents pertaining to Hunter Biden. Our guest is Tom Fenton, president of Judicial Watch, one of the most important government watchdog organizations in America, and Tom... It's great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. Let's start with your reaction to what is what has transpired. Uh, the president of the United States raided by uh, these agents of the FBI. Uh, the country is boiling over this. Your reaction? Well, our republic is under attack, Lou. Uh, you know, I know all of D.C. is talking about presidential records and classified information. And as we know from past experience, they don't care about that. They just care uh, about misusing the law and misusing authorities entrusted to them by the American people uh, to abuse and target President Trump. And you now have this unprecedented raid on the home of President Trump. Uh, using armed agents of the FBI, at least three uh, three attorneys with Garland's Justice Department were there as well, uh, and uh, you know there's nothing been nothing like it before in American history, and uh, you know this is on top of the Pelosi Congress trying to get access to his confidential tax records, the unprecedented assault out of New York, he's being forced into having to take the Fifth Amendment because of all these abuses of power. And you've got some hack prosecutor, some Democrat prosecutor in in Georgia trying to prosecute people for disputing an election, namely, and, you know, with the target of ultimately being Trump. So I'm, I'm not aware of any other citizen in American history who's had so much abuse directed at him uh, by federal and prosecutors throughout the nation. And, um, you know, 
every president and every elected official from here on in, you know, has to worry, is this, is this the way we're going to be treated? And, and Americans have to worry if the federal government's doing this, uh, you know, can we trust them to do anything? And, and even, even I think some leftists are a little bit nervous about the way things are going because they recognize that, you know, maybe all the guardrails are being torn up and no one will be protected. There are no guardrails now. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, there are yeah. no laws that uh, are boundaries for the FBI, for the Department of Justice. We've talked about the deep state, the administrative state. Uh, this is uh, abject warfare being conducted by the Marxist Dems who've taken over the Democrat Party and certainly are uh, the the masters of this puppet president. We we have to, as we watch what happened, uh, when we see this video repeat itself over and over uh, with these 30 agents uh, confiscating boxes, do you believe they broke laws uh, in uh, any specific uh, law that was broken? His constitutional rights, President Trump's constitutional rights were violated egregiously, I believe. But your thoughts on specific laws? You know, if they were lying about the reasons for the raid or um, they had ulterior purposes or political motives behind it, uh, arguably they were in violation of the law. But you know how it goes, uh, Lou. They're going to ha- they, they will have checked all the boxes. They will have a, they will have a court of rubber stamp uh, the investigation. They will point to laws that have never been enforced the way they're talking about and certainly wouldn't apply in these circumstances as justification uh, to rationalize this abuse of power. You know, people compare us, you know, they say we're a banana republic when we do this. It's actually worse than a banana republic because in a banana republic, there's no pretense, right? They know what's going on. They know it's like, yeah, this is the political opposition, and this is what we do in a banana republic. We abuse them. Here they're pretending that the rule of law is being implemented and being applied, and and search warrants authorized by the court are, are being enforced per the law. No. Banana republics have no pretense. Here we're pretending and lying that the rule of law is applying when, when, when they know better. And and one thing we do always know is that Judicial Watch will be asserting the law. You are seeking documents right now uh, to figure out what happened and why uh, President Trump's declaration of uh, uh, that, well, it's his order uh, that those Crossfire Hurricane documents would be released, that we would know about the origin of Russia Gate and Russia collusion, and mysteriously, his orders on the next to last day of his presidency were dismissed by the deep state. Your thoughts? Uh, you know, we have uh, the FBI hiding documents that were authorized to be released by Trump uh, as he was leaving office. The Justice Department obviously involved in that. It's basically the same agency. Um, they pretend they're different agencies, but. One's the dog, the other's the tail, and it sometimes varies who's who, who which is which. Right. Uh, but, you know, is the FBI going to raid itself to enforce the rule of law here? I mean, when we're suing the Justice Department and the FBI for documents that the American people have lawful access to or should be able to, and they're denying it, who enforces the law against them? That's the hypocrisy here. This Justice Department is um, – uh, one of the biggest violators of uh, transparency federal law there is, and yet they purport uh, to go around and harass Trump over documents that he has the lawful right to retain as president of the United States, his personal records, and there's a dispute about those records, and they pretend that they need to raid him on that while they are protecting records that there's no dispute should be lawfully released. This is um, – uh, you know, this isn't just like whether they apply the laws equally to Hillary versus Trump versus Biden. This is whether they even follow the laws themselves. Uh, I mean, the federal agencies. Right. Uh, and an early, early view is, no, they do not. That was definitely a rhetorical question. <laughs> I, I, I perceive that uh, right away. Uh and and you're exactly right. But let's I, I would like to just uh, 
turn to one other aspect, and that is what your view is of the future here. What does happen to President Trump? What can he do? And what should we, the American people who love this country, who care about our great republic uh, and our great president, what should we be doing? Well, we should be demanding accountability and, if necessary, um, uh, significant reform, if not uh, essential reimagining of the FBI and the Justice Department. I mean, they can't be trusted. Uh, you know, allegedly they have a law enforcement uh, responsibility, uh, but as I note, uh, they can't be trusted to administer it fairly when it comes to politicians. And the way they operate, uh, they operate in a way that uh, makes them a threat to our constitutional system of government. So if that's the case, they should be defunded or, um, you know, torn apart uh, in terms of what they're able to do. Uh, because they can't be trusted anymore. I, you know, it's like the IRS. What do we do about the IRS? Well, you know, it, it's a loaded gun aimed at the heart of our civil liberties and our Republican form of government. You, you remove it. And, you know, you remove yes. it from the House. Yeah. And, and it's the same goes for the FBI and DOJ. They have been There's a demonstrated record of them being uh, an attack dog or the lawless amongst us in our government. And they we've got to take that weapon away from them. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And right now, the Department of Justice uh, is to justice uh, what uh, the Department of Homeland Security is to the border <laughs> security uh, with Mexico. I mean, it's just, it, it's awful what we are witnessing. Yeah, it it, it, it doesn't, it, you know, those agencies' names reflect their targets, not what they're supposed to be enforcing. Yeah. And now, Tom, I'd, I'd like to turn to, to Hunter Biden. Judicial Watch has sued to, to get travel documents from the Secret Service, various other documents relating to Hunter Biden. Uh, and I understand that apparently... The Secret Service is having, well, at least their clerical staff, some considerable trouble finding documents that you're asking for. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, isn't that interesting? What's really interesting, Lou, is that they're giving us records about Joe Biden's travels, but not his son. <laughs> oh, man. So that tells us that there's something up. And, uh, you know, it was not just one request. I think it was three requests. And, you know, this is basic information. We've been doing this since the Obama administration, trying to figure out some of the costs of presidential travel. We did it in the Trump administration as well. And um, the fact that they're holding these documents up from uh, up is, to me, an indication there's something they don't want to share with us. I mean, I've been doing this too long than to, than, uh, than to do anything but conclude otherwise. So are you optimistic that they're going to be produced because the Secret Service seems to be a citadel of uh, autonomy uh, and indifference to the <laughs> to oversight uh, and, and the rest of, of government. It's almost that bad, if not that bad. Oh, I think we're going to get records. Um, uh, you know, these are the type of records, as I said, we've got experience in figuring out what we're able to get under the law from the Secret Service. Now, they've gotten a little bit more restrictive over the years and sometimes not cooperative, uh, but we this isn't our first radio, and I, I, I think we're going to get the records. Uh, the question is just when. Well, you, if you have no sense of when, uh, are you confident that uh, you'll get what you're looking for? And what can you tell us about what you're really looking for in those records? Well, to the degree the records tell us where and how much, you know, first of all, they tell us how much we've been spending, but also where we've been spending it, which I think is going to be of great interest, uh, given uh, the uh, prior Secret Service request responses we've gotten, for instance, that showed while uh, Hunt, uh, Hunter was vice president, no, I mean, Joe was vice president, he traveled uh, at least 29 times uh, internationally, including on five trips to China. One, one infamously was on Air Force Two uh, with his father. So those are the sorts of records we expect and, to get. Um, and you know, we may get some information about his domestic travels, which may be of interest as well. But as the son of the president and someone implicated in criminal activity, 
uh, there's great public interest as to what our government's doing in order uh, to secure them. Well, and it's like I said at the very outset, it is great that you're doing this work, you and Judicial Watch going after these records and, and bringing them forth for the public. The right to know in this country, the public's right to know has just been uh, thwarted, uh, disrespected, uh, and uh, sneered at by the deep state and the permanent bureaucracy and, oh, yes, the, the Marxist Dems who lead the Democratic Party. Yeah, the challenge, you know, we've had this Freedom of Information Act, which is a tremendous law. It's it's done much in terms of government accountability and oversight. But in order to make it work, one almost always has to sue uh, in federal court. And, you know, Judicial Watch, we're, you know, we're a national group. We're able to sue in federal court. We're the number one FOIA litigator in the country. Uh, but, you know, if you're an average citizen trying to get information from the government, woe to you. Yeah, it's outrageous. It really is. Well, you, I think you you may remember our discussions over some time, which uh, some people have said to me when I was criticizing the FBI or the Department of Justice. I would say they would they would say, you know, but there are good people there. There are good people in the FBI, and my retort always was, if there are good people there, why hasn't one of them stepped forward? to blow the whistle on all of the illegality, the lies, the deceit, the attempts to frame a sitting president, for example, uh, and a fraudulent uh, Russia collusion hoax and uh, uh, the predicate for a special counsel. I mean, the list goes on. And, you know, we find out from Senator Grassley, finally, three, three, almost six years later, Apparently, several, I better say several, not three, several whistleblowers have stepped forward uh, to Senator uh, Grassley's office, and they allege widespread efforts to downplay or discredit negative information about President Biden's son, Hunter, just before the 2020 election, when 51 intelligence uh, uh, agents officers, executives, uh, held forth that that was all about Russian disinformation, naturally. Your reaction to this development? Well, um, I mean, it's good that someone, as you point out, someone did blow the whistle, right? Yes. Uh, but it further highlights how the FBI is irredeemably corrupt. It's no surprise Look, they've been sitting on Hunter's material for two years prior to that. They had it, I think, in December of 2019 at the time or something even further and had information going back even further. He was up to no good. Given what he was doing while his father was vice president, you can bet he was on the radar even then. And yeah, so it's no surprise that come October, the laptop information gets leaked and the FBI take steps to suppress any resulting, and I, I don't know exactly what information supposedly was labeled disinformation. You're highlighting, it's probably given the timing, the Hunter laptop information, right? Exactly, exactly. But if that were the case, that would be so outrageous because they had the laptop already and they knew it wasn't disinformation. So yeah. uh, this shows you that the FBI interfered in our elections. Uh, this is what the evidence shows. And uh, there, there needs to be accountability, and someone needs to take the take it more seriously than they have been taking it, mainly in Congress that funds these agencies. That the Justice Department and the FBI are enemies of the rule of law, especially when it comes to holding powerful leftists accountable to the rule of law. Well said. And I think the American people are picking up on it now. They are understanding clearly that this is a government that all of us were taught to respect, uh, to trust. And we have taken a hard lesson over the last, I would say, 20, 30 years, uh, whether it be with, uh, with the Bush administration and the weapons of mass, mass destruction, uh, whether it be Afghanistan, whether it be Iraq, uh, the Obama administration, and now. Uh, this administration making it clear 
There is no one standing up in that Department of Justice insisting that the FBI agents who were part of the Hillary Clinton uh, origination of the Russian hoax are held accountable. It's outrageous. But you, you know, I, I think it's fascinating that the Secret Service is also protecting Hunter Biden because he was meeting with corrupt officials while he was under their protection. It's it, and the list just goes on here of what it, the list of the number of instances in which Hunter Biden was clearly, clearly doing illegal. Uh, things and no one touched him. That the grand jury in in Delaware, four years, Tom, four years. I I was talking with uh, Eric Trump. I said, Eric, what would have happened if your circumstances were similar to to Hunter's? He said he'd be in jail for life. And you know what? He's right. And it would have taken four years to bring charges. Well, remember, the Secret Service supposedly swept in to help them on this gun issue. Uh, the other thing about the information we uncover from the Secret Service is that evidently, because we stopped getting documents after a certain date, Hunter gave up the Secret Service protection in the second half, beginning, I think, of 2014, uh, during the president's, uh, you know, the, Obama's second term. Now, obviously, as the son of the president, uh, you know, if if I were Joe, I'd make sure he had secret service protection, whether he wanted it or not. Uh, but you raise a very interesting point. Have secret service agents been called to testify about Hunter's activities? If not, why not? And this highlights another point. There should be no U.S. attorney in Delaware investigating this. It should be done by a special counsel. I don't like special counsels. I think they're constitutionally dubious, but they're the law of the land, we've been told. And we all have to fall down and prostrate whenever there's a special counsel. And now uh, we have the president's son and the president himself implicated in those criminal activities of, of the president's son. And there's no special counsel. That's the scandal. Well, let's examine just how likely that is to happen, a special counsel being appointed, because I know Joe Biden is seriously interested in uh, objective, independent, impartial uh, treatment on the part of the federal government when it comes to uh, carrying out justice, uh, because we know that he's blocked. He ordered his Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, to block the suspicious activity reports of the commercial banking system, which are the most uh, egregious and uh, of uh, activities that are reported, always have been available to the oversight committees. Suddenly they were blocked and Republicans can't get them, not on the Oversight Committee in the House or the Oversight Committees uh, in the Senate, uh, where Grassley and Johnson do have 150 of them that they had, uh, you know, had managed to obtain uh, before the block came in and pre-Biden. It's, it's outrageous what we're watching here. This president is corrupt. And one has to be an idiot to believe otherwise, don't you think? I agree. And, and um, you know, when the information out there shows that he's implicated in these international criminal activities uh, involving Hunter. And, you know, especially let's take a look at the issue with China now, where you have Joe taking this aggressive stance to, you know, not mess with the Chinese in opposing Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. And there's been zero media who've highlighted the fact, well, you know, his family got money from the Chinese communist government front companies. Does that compromise his decision-making on this? Well, you know, you know they'd be asking that question if Trump were president yep. and similarly situated, but Biden makes decisions that are either pro-Russian or pro-Chinese. And I know everyone says, oh no, he's not pro-Russian. Look, my view is the Biden administration's uh, goal in Ukraine is to make sure that Russia doesn't necessarily win, but also that they don't lose. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I have zero confidence that this administration is operating with respect to Russia and China in an uncompromised way. I think this president, there is no way he can operate without being compromised. 
Uh, he is not he's not making these decisions. This man is impaired. Uh, he is, as you say, compromised, and he is serving. Uh, there are puppet masters hard at work around and above the president of the United States, clearly. Uh, to your point on China, because he has gone soft on China uh, without question. But the national left-wing corporate media, Tom, they're not even asking the question. Why is it that a nation that is $30 trillion in debt, depleting its strategic petroleum oil reserves, and and for the benefit of a few cents on a, I guess a gallon, you know, a gallon of gasoline, uh, it doesn't even add up to that. How is it that a million barrels of oil end up with a Chinese communist country, while he is out, Biden is out in Riyadh, uh, begging the Saudis for more oil production, asking the Venezuelans to produce more. Oh yes, and Iran too. It'd be very helpful. What? And they don't even ask what in the world is going on here when they know that the company that took the million barrels of oil from the Biden administration, the million barrels of oil from the Biden administration is also a former client of none other than Hunter Biden. How much more in our faces could the Biden crime family uh, act? Well, of course, that was a foreseeable consequence of releasing the oil to begin with. I mean, there's a process that takes place once you put the oil in the market. And surprise, surprise, China's number one in asking for oil. <laughs> they need it. We have it. They're going to buy it. And, of course, you know, but so if you're going to be in the business of doing that, then have the free market yeah. do it. Stop with the war our energy. Stop having taxpayers subsidize the sale, practically speaking. That's the danger here. And, you know, you were talking about who's making the decisions in the Trump, Bush, uh, excuse me, the Biden administration. Uh, I don't know for sure, but I do know the decisions are such a, are, are radical, are such, are, are of such a radical nature that the best way to describe them are, are anti-American. When you talk about the war on energy, to me, it's it's when you go after our energy producers, you, you're you're trying to destroy America. You're trying to undermine America, and and There's who no would want to do that? Who who in the administration wants to destroy America? We need to know. Well, we know one thing: there isn't a single policy, uh, uh, initiative, or agenda item on the part of this president that is that is pro-America. I've I've asked the audience of this podcast to say simply to me one I, I'm begging for one initiative that is in the national interest or pro American family worker uh, man and wife I, I would just love to hear that because I can't find a single example of a policy executive order administrative order uh, that benefits the American people or the nation not one. No, I the the uh, only time I hear uh, Biden promote America in that regard is at the end of his speeches when he says God bless and protect our troops. It's the only time I'm thinking, oh well, at least that's right. The but, troops uh, that he has just sent to the eastern flank of well, Europe they're, they're... to fight and defend, uh, <laughs> defend the Europeans. I mean, this is exactly the opposite of what President Trump had succeeded in doing. That the Europeans would defend themselves. They would spend money on their own defense, and they would react uh, to a border state like Ukraine and prospective member of NATO. But no, here, here we go with Biden uh, working, obviously, diligently for the military-industrial complex. Well, and undermining our military uh, more, uh, you know, as importantly, undermining our military from within. I mean, uh, to segue into something we just did today, practically speaking, uh, we just sued the uh, Pentagon for documents about what's going on at the Naval Academy in terms of critical race theory. Right. Uncovered it was being taught up there in West Point. So our rising leadership is being and, 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 you know, we we know the Navy is doing this at the Naval Academy. We want the details. But our rising leadership at our, our service academies 
to train the next generation of officers in our, our military, they're being propagandized with this Marxist radical theory that is, again, anti-American and un-American. So in our, in uh, our service, America is the enemy. Yeah. When you can when you can teach CRT in our military academies, when you can ha have the federal government as a required training session uh, or training sessions more uh, properly, it is madness I, I, on its face. Lord knows what else is going on in, in the in the bureaucracy uh, within the military, because officers and I'm talking about uh, majors, colonels are leaving the U.S. military at a rapid rate. Uh, we're talking about the huge, huge recruiting goals that are uh, gaps perhaps they will never make uh, up with anything other than selective service. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that that's, uh, you know, to me, that's, a, I think, a, a, a consequence that the left welcomes. I mean, they want to weaken our military. And one way to weaken the military is to uh, <laughs> make it harder uh, to recruit it uh, and to have the personnel available to do what the military is supposed to do which is to identify, confront, and kill our enemies. Uh, the left opposes the military just doing that generally. Uh, so hence the CRT, hence the focus on, uh, you know, dramatic social engineering in the military. And it's no surprise that patriots um, aren't terribly interested in uh, joining the military in this day and age. You know, I, you, know, I, you know, the most dangerous thing I've ever done is get in a cab in DC. But so, uh, but I value what the military has provided to America in terms of uh, defending our right to do everything we're talking about and our liberties. And uh, the left understands the military defends America from uh, these threats that are foreign, sometimes domestic, and they don't want, and, and that's why they want to undermine it. Yeah, I, I mean, the why fours here uh, of what the Marxist Dems are doing, the first why to me is why is the Republican Party and conservatives, why are they so reluctant to call the Dem, the Democratic Party, what it has become? It is a Marxist party. It is Marxist-led. It is straightforwardly that. It's not socialist. It's not progressive. It is none of those things. It is a Marxist organization, and its agenda is Marxist, and as clearly as it can possibly be stated. Uh, yet, everyone wants to say something like socialist. They still want to tiptoe around it in the Republican Party, rather, with a few exceptions. They want to ignore the reality of these policies and the, and the absolute destructive uh, nature and purpose of each. Whether it's I, the I, southern I, border, whether you name it, it's destructive. I agree with you, Lou, and I don't mean, and as you know, I'm always very cautious about being partisan, but I don't think it's a partisan. Uh, I think it's an objective analysis and one uh, any American should be worried about to have a major political party in our country uh, be overtaken by these radical Marxist extremists, as you described. And the Democratic Party, I think, is is in this internal battle, uh, and and sometimes one side wins, the other times another side wins between its corrupt corporatist wing, and and the rising communists, and I think that's kind of the story of the Biden administration. Now the uh, uh, the Republican administration has its own uh, the Republican Party has its own issues, that also has a corrupt corporatist wing, right, uh, and and and. Uh, but they don't have the extremists that are anti-American, at least at least at this point, uh, yeah. that the, um, the the Democrats are contending with. Yeah, I, I want to give Kevin McCarthy a, a rare compliment from me, uh, at least, uh, in, in that he announced that they would not be taking money from the Chamber of Commerce, the the uh, Republicans uh, in the House, because of their uh, insane positions that they were taking, uh, and have taken. And and that is now beginning to to if you will ripple through our our, our society or at least our public consciousness, 
what he has done, but he has done what we've been calling for for years, to push back against corporate America, the Business Roundtable, the Chamber of Commerce, and Wall Street, because they, I mean, they're just bald-faced about it, Tom. They're now saying in the midst of this inflation and these terrible, terrible months that we've had for so many Americans, millions of Americans with these high prices, talk about take your money and we'll invest it for you in China. This is how mad the country has become. You talk about the Republican part of the, the country. Those institutions are no longer Republican. When they start financing communist nations, they have beyond, they're beyond uh, anything but Democratic membership. And that's why they've moved so much money to the Democratic Party, uh, to Democratic candidates, and are embracing everything that this president is doing with the same energy that they fought the previous president. Yeah, we had this cultural Marxism uh, that is now ensnared the corporate culture in ways that, um, is, you know, in ways that have dramatically increased, certainly in the last few years. And, uh, and you have too many corporate leaders who uh, see themselves as members of uh, an international class and community as opposed to American patriots. And that's that's the problem. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean the problem is insurmountable, but unless we describe the problem accurately, we certainly can't address it. Well, I, I agree with you. And I only know of one man who can address this problem. And that man is Donald Trump. Uh, it, it's, uh, I, I know that's not a shock or a surprise to you right. that I would feel that way. Uh, it's certainly no uh, mystery uh, uh, or requires much of the way of analysis uh, on the part of this audience to determine who I want to be president, because I think he's the only one who can handle the job, frankly. He, he's, he's shown he can do it. He did it before. He's a historic president. Uh, I can't even imagine why, if we can talk him into it, uh, he would, uh, you know, that we would do anything else. Uh, I, I, and, and by the way, talking about China and, and this relationship with corporate America, and I want to go to your, you're looking at suing, uh, you are suing uh, for the COVID information involving Fauci's wife, who also works for NIH. And of course, she is highly placed in terms of uh, uh, her job. She decides she decides what is uh, ethic, uh, ethical uh, in right, terms right, of the biology right. and medicine involved. When we have what is a breaking scandal in this country over the efficacy of all of those vaccines that came to market in about six months. Uh, I, we are, we're on the cusp of such momentous disasters for this administration uh, it, it's hard to imagine any way it could get worse and yet here today we learned that it is which means it's getting better for america yeah i mean uh, we just released documents today that show um people within the fda were arguing about the biden administration's rush to require or allow boosters you know and it wasn't based on According to these documents, they felt they were being rushed and they weren't being able to weren't able to do the scientific analysis they wanted to do before recommending or approving it within the FDA. And the other documents that we have uh, released just last week with respect to China show that Fauci's agency was very much aware and concerned about gain of function research that they were funding in the Wuhan Institute in China, not in 2020, not in 2019, but in 2016. They knew something was up and were worried about it. So, you know, when Fauci says they didn't have any words about gain of function and it wasn't gain of function, and I see document after document in his agencies talking about gain of function, you have to wonder uh, why the FBI, well, yeah, yes, according to the documents we have, the FBI was investigating the gain of function grant he gave, his agency gave back in 2020. What are they doing now is my question. And to me, we're talking about what Judicial Watch is doing. I'm outraged that it took Judicial Watch to figure out the FBI was investigating Fauci's agency. Why are we just finding out about it now, thanks to Judicial Watch? Where's the rest of this city? Well, it, it's a great question. And, and, and meanwhile, Fauci is not only denying 
that the, there was any relationship with the Wuhan agency. I talk, I've talked to, well, I'm going to say three, maybe four doctors who were ex, ex, telling me how the trip went uh, to Wuhan, uh, how involved they were with the China version of the CDC. I mean, there was a culture that had been built up between American immunologists uh, and uh, epidemiologists and, and the, the virologist in Wuhan. Uh, it's crazy. And then he's denying it, and he's denying it to Congress. Do you remember the great exchanges that uh, Senator Rand Paul, yeah. Paul had yeah. with him? I mean, thank God for Rand Paul, talking sense. Thank God for Peter McCullough, doctors like he and Robert Malone and, uh, and, uh, and dozens of others who had the skepticism, the clinical medical skepticism that any, uh, any doctor, any scientist is supposed to bring to it. Uh, and by the way, can you imagine the conversation between Fauci and his wife when they get home uh, in the evening for dinner? Uh, you know, I'm thinking you shouldn't have lied, honey, about uh, the Wuhan lab. Uh, you know that it could have been there and what likely was originating there. Well, that's a difference. I, I, you know, I can't even imagine that conversation. She's in charge of bioethics and he's flaunting them. What do you make of that? Well, you know, what I'm concerned about is they're hiding the records from us. You know, our client openthebooks.gov.com wanted the records. Uh, they had, uh, through the lawsuit with Judicial Watch, uncovered records showing the tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in royalties NIH officials were getting. And, you know, there, when one looks about how the COVID vaccine was handled and the gamesmanship that went on, you have to wonder what else is going on, and which is why we've you know, been working on this issue and trying to get records about the financial disclosures from Fauci, who's the most powerful government official in the country, practically speaking, on, on many issues. And what he and his spouse are earning and how they're earning their money is a great public interest. And the fact they're hiding the records from us, again, you know, gets my radar going. Well, I'm glad it has, and I'm glad you're pursuing it, because I I really am stunned uh, when I think about the fact there is this huge pool of money, uh, tens of millions of dollars uh, that are available for the patents uh, that have been produced by government scientists. And we don't even know what portion of that money is going to Fauci, to others, but we do know that money uh, is going to them. And I'm talking about huge sums of money, and we have no oversight over it. No congressional committee, no agency has any oversight over it other than, can you make it any worse, Dr. Tony Fauci. Uh, it's unbelievable. Well, and billions of dollars in grants he's able to grant his, yes. his colleagues. And, you know, and the oversight, as you say, is lacking. I guess my concern is the Wuhan Institute is just one of many uh, many labs in China that were getting money, and many labs here in the United States that were doing similarly dangerous in, uh, in experiments. Uh, it, it is, um, you know, this gain of function, it's not just in Wuhan we have to worry about, it's in other places in China and here in the United States. And I, I guess we're not even allowed to ask what the labs were doing in Ukraine, right? I guess we're, we're pro-Russia yeah. if we say, well, why, why are we still running those labs in Ukraine where they're investigating, continue to work with pathogens that are quite dangerous? What, why, why are we still running them? What, what's the money here going for? What are the risks? Uh, well, President Biden's uh, Undersecretary of State uh, saying, admitting uh, their presence but shutting down conversation and uh, on it because I guess they were afraid there would be Russian Russian uh, disinformation on that. Uh, this is the most screwed up administration. If people don't understand what a mess this outfit is and what criminal, I'm going to back off my language here, but what a criminal family the Bidens are, then I, you know, God help us. What is it going to take for people to wake up uh, and to see what they did with the election of 2020? People are now just starting to realize, you know, the whole establishment pushed, pushed the idea 
that that was the most perfect election in history. There was not widespread, uh, there were not widespread incidents of fraud or trickery or, you know, ballot trafficking. It's all nonsense. It's all disinformation. And the greatest source of disinformation in the United States for the past six years has been the United States government, not Russia and not China. Do you disagree? Well, um, I don't want to give too too much credit to the U.S. in terms of disinformation versus China and Russia. Uh, but our government has been uh, a vehicle to uh, lie about our election systems in ways that are so obviously designed to help protect Joe Biden from having his, uh, you know, from from the political consequences of people being worried about the way the election was run. That's it's straightforward. I mean, it, it they're they're now trying to jail people based on their lawful participation, and it is all lawful, in, a, in an election dispute. And they've got grand juries going on here in Washington, D.C. You have this left-wing prosecutor in, uh, in Fulton County, Georgia, That's uh, harassing Trump and people and regular citizens. And it's not just about Trump. They're going after regular citizens. Uh, these are dangerous times. Um, you know, the media, the government's always a fount of disinformation and lies and dishonesty, uh, but it's usually tempered by the rule of law, uh, and uh, that tempering isn't working that well right now. When would you say the last time was that government had to fear uh, the governed? Uh, when is the last time they had to respect we the people? When is the last time anyone in the federal government was held accountable for their disinformation? Well, you know, thankfully, it's more of a modern <laughs> phenomenon that we have government officials who have contempt for the everyday man uh, and don't think the rules apply to them and laugh at those who think they do. Uh, I'd like to think in the first part of our, you know, the first part of our nation's history, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the people in government you know, they were in it for themselves, but there wasn't this antagonism to the American way of life the way we have now. Well, if you're going back to the founding fathers, I meant over the course of the past, uh, let's say, 20, 20 years. When do you think within that we suddenly had no accountability? The deep state, uh, the permanent bureaucracy asserted itself without without consequence uh, and without having to worry about whether or not they were uh, on which side of the law they really operated? Well, Watergate shows that um, their concern for corruption was partisan, and uh, they had no interest in the rule of law. I mean, they, it, it, one doesn't have to defend any any conduct by Nixon or his officials to recognize the people who were investigating him were the last people who should have been trusted with such an analysis, uh, and we're and 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 we haven't gotten it fixed sense in many ways have we i i i don't believe we've ever seen anything approaching what we are witnessing today tom watergate i can remember watching the hearings uh on the news uh you know at night uh reporting uh you know from a local station of what was going on i i remember it vividly but i what we're watching right now is a news media that is in the that is doing whatever the, the corporate boardroom and CEO tell them to do. Uh, there is nothing that approaches an independent, original uh, news organization on on television. There just isn't. Well, there, you know, there's there's the issue of journalism, uh, but as you're right, much of the media are uh, basically agents of the government. Uh, and only the government that they support, meaning if it were a different administration, it'd be a different matter. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the, the media too often, uh, and it doesn't mean that all media never does, never ever does journalism. That's not the issue. Much of the major media organizations have been turned into advocacy groups that sometimes does journalism, right? They do journalism here and again, there's no doubt about it as traditionally understood. But I would dare say that Judicial Watch does more legitimate journalism in the everyday sense Absolutely. of the word than, than much of the legacy media. 
Yeah, I, but I'm talking about I'm talking about corporate media in this country. If there's no judicial watch, let me tell you. Uh, well, I don't even want to think about it. Thank God there's judicial watch, uh, because as you say, you do more to to enlarge the body of public knowledge in this country than any one of those cable networks, any one of those broadcast networks. The legacy media, as you put it, they're corporate-owned, and they serve their corporate masters. And no one should ever, and I don't think most people doubt it for a moment, uh, you know, whatever the outlet is. It's just just a moment of of shame in this country, what we have allowed uh, to grow up around uh, this uh, great nation that had so many ideals uh, in which hundreds of millions of people have you know, sacrificed for over the course of two and a half centuries. It's, it's just despicable what we have allowed uh, to, to grow up in what should have been a shining city on a hill. You know, they're basically, it's the last one out, turn out the lights now. I mean, that's where we are, and we've got to wake up to the need for leadership and commitment to to who the, who we are as Americans and what this country means to us and to the world. Well, and the good news is that uh, there are outlets like this. There's Judicial Watch. There are alternative media online, easily accessible to millions, which is why they're so desperate to censor Look, if they were winning, Lou, they wouldn't be trying to jail us. If they were winning, they wouldn't be trying to censor us. If they were willing, if the Constitution was working for them, they wouldn't be trying to upend it. It's not because they're winning; it's because they're losing, and they're worried. And so, uh, so I'm going to put a little positive spin on it. Uh, right. The big media is failing, but other media is stepping up uh, to fill the gap in ways that. Uh, you know, thanks to the technological revolution, would never have been possible before. So thank, thank, thank God for those silicon chips, right? Well, yes, but not for those silicon masters <laughs> who decided in 2020. I know Russian disinformation and brought down an iron curtain uh, of des- you know, abs- absolute totalitarian control over the media. Uh, but I thank you for the. You know, for the the glimmer of hope there, uh, what I what I hope is that everyone listening to our voices uh, means business in a That's in less right. than four months and gets out there and and gets rid of as many of these uh, these so-called uh, Dems, Marxist Dems. Uh, they all are because they're working for one purpose, and that's against the United States. Uh, Tom Fenton, thanks for being with us here. We appreciate it. Come back soon. Thank you, Lou. Appreciate the time. Thank you. And I want to thank, as always, Judicial Watch for all their great work to serve the public's right to know. And thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Our guest tomorrow is Senator Marsha Blackburn, here tomorrow on The Great America Show. Please join us. Until then, God bless you, and God bless America.